Welcome to the Occult London Podcast. This is a new podcast dedicated to exploring magic, mysticism, the Kabbalah, as well as other topics. If you like the podcast, please write a review and rate us on iTunes or whatever platform you are listening to this on, as it will really help us to get this message out there. Also, be sure to visit our website at occultlondon.co.uk where you can subscribe to the show. I hope you enjoy it. In today's episode, we will be continuing our discussion on the seven planets of the ancient world and their significance in planetary magic with a discussion on the centre of our solar system, the sun. The sun sphere influences all life in all of the spheres and on all of the planets and it really is without doubt the the most important, the most central, the most revered planet throughout history. There's a huge amount of symbolism about this huge energy source. So in astrology, it's known as a luminary or a meaning of light. Um, it's also, from a personality level, seen to really represent our personal core or our kind of key personality. So your sun sign, obviously within astrology, is the the primary factor in terms of what people think about in terms of their personality. The sun is also seen as a driving energy behind life and also a representation of kind of health wellness and positivity from a chakra point of view it's associated normally with the solar plexus chakra but also the heart chakra which is um, in the Kabbalah connected with the center of the tree which is the sphere of Tiferet known as harmony uh, and also the home of the macroprosopus or Really, this kind of higher self, higher individuality, and also the location traditionally of the holy guardian angel is within the sphere of Tiferet. From a star sign point of view, it rules Leo. Um, archangels from the Kabbalah are usually Mikael or Raphael. Um, the angelic order is the Malachim, which means virtues, and the god name is Elohar Vedart. Planetary spirit is Saurath, planetary intelligence is Nakheel, and the order of demons is the aerial powers. Before we kind of get on to the more magical and spiritual aspects of the sun, I just wanted to quickly kind of talk a bit more about the material aspects of it. You know, let's have a little think about what the sun actually is from a physical point of view. Before we discuss the spiritual aspects, let's confirm what the sun is. The sun is a star and it's the centre of our solar system around which all of the other planets orbit. It gives out heat and it gives out light and it really is this thing that makes life possible on the earth. The sun is roughly spherical in shape and is massively bigger than the earth so it's around 1,300,000 times bigger. It's also the dominant body of the solar system and its massive, huge size means that it actually comprises more than 99% of our solar system, which really gives us a good idea about the heliocentric nature of many traditions and why they worshipped the sun as being this enormous source of life, source of energy, which provided the earth with this necessary heat and light to support life on earth. The sun is important psychologically as well, obviously. It's the 
light bringer that wakes us up from the darkness. We go to sleep at night and then the sun will wake us up in the morning. And it's also, obviously from a seasonal point of view, the sun is what brings the spring, brings the summer. So during those dark times of winter when you know things are harder, there's less you know, greenery, the crops are not around, etc. It's the sun that would bring that new dawn, that new spring, that beauty later on. It's also the power of the sun that warms our bodies as well and um, enables us to, you know, go about and, and do our daily jobs. And it's also very important from the point of view of the plant kingdom because it's really this power of the solar energy that the process of photosynthesis upon which the plants rely, that is really reliant on that solar power. And if the plant kingdom on the land failed, then the plankton in the sea would disappear and also the entire food chain would fall. And this is what John um, Harvey Kellogg wrote about the sun when he said, food is simply sunlight in cold storage and that's a quote from John Harvey Kellogg. The sun is the symbolic heart of the tree of life and of the universe as Tifret and in the same way that our hearts pump blood around our bodies so the sun does the same it kind of pumps this life-giving energy around the universe and through the universe. And this idea of the sun as being the life giver is very well explained by the magician William Gray in his book Ladder of Lights when he wrote the following. Our lives in the solar system are limited by the life of the sun itself. When it finally explodes, we all share its extinction. Microcosmically, the life of every human being depends on their vital spark which is the sun within themselves. This is bodily expressed in the innumerable nuclei of the atoms from which our bodies are constructed. We can feel it for ourselves in the natural heat of our own flesh, controlled by a process just as marvellous as that which keeps the sun and its planets in a condition of balance with each other. The cessation of either light life means both darkness and death for one or all individuals. And that's a quote from William Gray and his book Ladder of Lights. So the sun therefore can be seen as being a bringer of food, but also being an agent or an intermediary through which life is maintained on the earth. So from a physical point of view it can be considered as a god and also from a spiritual point of view, because it's acting on both different um, levels of reality. And it's not surprising, given that fact, that obviously humanity over the ages has worshipped the sun as being one of the most important gods. From a spiritual point of view, from a magical point of view, it's obviously very important. It represents this spiritual power, heart chakra, and this huge radiating source of energy, it's also considered to embody the idea or the home or the seat of consciousness in many ways. So you have the spirit or the higher self, as I mentioned, the holy guardian angel, as well as the ego of the individual. The sun brings light into the world physically, 
but it's also meant to do that on a spiritual level as well. So there's almost like a physical heat when you feel from the sun, but there's a spiritual level to that, which is actually lighting up our auras, lighting up our beings as well. And that light is very much connected with the personality, the higher personality and the higher ego as well. And this solar kind of higher individuality and personality is really that kind of aspect of ourselves that makes us unique, makes us special. And this is what sits in Tifret on the tree of life. So as we rise up through the tree to connect with the individuality represented by the holy garden angel, the sun is that light that's kind of drawing us up, almost like a tractor beam from Star Trek. And you're drawing up towards that light, and that's where we'll kind of meet our higher self and that holy guardian angel. The sun is also the face we show the world externally, so it's kind of like the best version of ourselves. The you know the the, the side that you you know it's very confident, it's very attractive, it's very outgoing, and fills a room with joy and delight, and people want to be friends with you and be part of that group but it doesn't always reflect the true self behind it so you know we can often hide aspects of ourselves behind this very bright sunny personality that we've built up and um, yeah from a magical point of view the sun is often seen as being a masculine or a father figure of the universe. So a lot of the gods and mythology around this planet tend to revolve around masculine figures, fathers, husbands, and sons ruled by the sun. And obviously the word sun, S-O-N, sounds the same as sun, S-U-N. So there's obviously a crossover there. The sun can also be seen as this powerful king who really kind of crosses over between his kingdom each day so it's processing across the sky rising in the east and then setting in the west and it's this massive kind of procession that's spreading light across the world and then he will come again the next morning the sun is also seen as a planet of success and um, health wealth and prosperity and it's got some crossovers with the planet jupiter in many ways Obviously, Jupiter is the sort of centre of mercy on the tree of life and this very much idea of benevolence and charity. And the sun is really the sphere of very strong willpower and drive to succeed. It helps us to really kind of become the best, the best person we can be. And if you work with the sun a lot, you can kind of take on these aspects of the sun. So it will be you know, filling a room with your power and your presence, an aura of light, an aura of positivity. And it's a very, very much a sphere of friendship, of openness, of collaboration as well. So it's kind of this light that joins everything together and ensures that everyone is actually working quite closely together from that that perspective. And there's actually a really good exercise you can do where you imagine yourself as the sun, as Helios, the centre of the universe, and you're sending out light into the area around you. Um, negative aspects of the solar energy can obviously become, um, you know, overinflated ego, um, boastfulness, and 
you know that we all meet we all know people like that that you know people tend to want to avoid in a way because they're kind of overpowering in their personality um so that's one of the aspects that you can do that can come about um if you do too much work with the sun and it kind of goes the other way the medieval book of planetary magic known as the picatrix um gives the following description of the sun's power which i thought was quite interesting and i wanted to quote this he signifies and reveals perception and intellect, exaltations and high offices, but without fear, and indeed easily makes men to triumph over their enemies and easily inflict violent deaths on them. He shows those who give great gifts to friends, that is, to those to whom they are appropriate and merited. He destroys those who send many, which are cut off altogether, distributes good things and otherwise, and causes both good and evil. Those who observe the law and those who keep promises. To all people he gives delight in good and pleasant things. Great eloquence and giving ready responses in all things, he increases the appetite for amassing wealth and for people to desire good things. A good reputation in the mouths of the people and high positions and official posts, making all legality and goodness, and all things that are proper for kings and great men in the world, and the mode of living that is necessary to them, as well as all excited and ornate works with minerals, and making the crowns of kings and sublime things, and making large books. And that's a quote from the Picatrix, book 3, chapter 7. Um, yeah, it's quite an interesting quote that because obviously it's talking about this, you know, gifts of friends, this this very kind of magnanimous force um, that works with the sun. It's making the crown of kings and some blind things. So it's it's very interesting this connection with gold, with kingship, and with being crowned. The symbol of the sun um, from a kind of hermetic point of view is normally a circle with a uh, point at the center this is a really extremely deep symbol that deserves a lot of meditation and i recommend people do that if they are interested in finding out more you tend to find when you focus on this particular symbol it, it kind of unveils deeper and deeper symbolism the more you go into it however the basic thinking behind it is that the circle it really represents this cycle of life and death and rebirth and the point represents that sort of concentration of energies of life. Could also be described as being the circle of infinity and the point of the moment. So it's almost like the now and the infinite wrapped into one circle. Or it could also be considered as being the individuality and the collective, uncon collective consciousness. So the one is the all and the all is the one so it's a big kind of paradox and one of these very popular paradoxes that you get with regards to to magic as i said it's worth doing meditation on that symbol because it's very deep and you'll you'll get a lot out of it from the point of view of mythology <coughs> excuse me from the point of view of mythology um yeah um sun worship mythology dates back a huge amount of time so we're not going to go into this topic in too much detail. But as we've seen, 
solar worship, use of solar sim- symbolism for ritual, magic, and religious purposes has been around you know millions of years. And the main focus of these has been in the Egyptian times. You've got Indo-European and also Mesoamerican traditions, which developed strong solar traditions and also have really well developed um, urban but also agricultural societies. And majority of the magician, these traditions, we see the idea of the sun as being a ruler of both the upper and the lower worlds. So when I say upper, I mean you know the daylight and then obviously the ruler of the night as well. So the sun visits, the sun is in, in the daylight in the day and then it goes into the underworld at night and it's kind of seen that it rules as above and so below. The sun or the solar king is, is really seen as being a giver and a bringer of life. And it has this all-seeing eye that also is a giver out of justice and a source of uncomprehensible wisdom. And this connection with power and wealth and beneficence obviously fits very well with the idea of the king. So mythically we see lots of kings that rule by the power of the sun or using solar symbols. um, Because obviously connecting a human being with that godhead, that you know, the highest God that brings light and life to the earth. And um, example of this, obviously, ancient Egypt, we've got the sun god Ra. He's the most powerful god of the high gods, and he keeps that role right from the beginning of history through to the end. And his Ra's story is normally describing the voyage of the sun across the heavenly ocean of the skies. It starts out as the young sun god, Kepa, who appears at noon, as the full-grown sun god, and then ends up in the west as the sun god Artem. And this solar religion, or this solar cycle, was adopted heavily by the Egyptian pharaoh Akhenaten, who introduces a much more abstract religion, really, and a veneration of the sun, which is then later completely defaced, and we see this return to a more sort of pagan form of the religion. There's an interesting hymn I wanted to quote from the Egyptian Book of the Dead, which is a hymn to Ra, which gives us a good glimpse at the Egyptian reverence for the sun. And it goes like this. Homage to thee, O thou glorious being, thou who art dowered with all sovereignty. O Tem Herakuti, when thou risest in the horizon of heaven, a cry of joy goeth forth to thee from all people. O thou beautiful being, thou dost renew thyself in thy season in the form of the disc, within thy mother Hathor. Therefore in every place, every heart swelleth with joy at thy rising forever. The regions of the south and the north come to thee with homage and send forth acclamations at thy rising on the horizon of heaven. And thou illuminest the two lands with rays of turquoise-coloured light. O Ra, who art Herakuti, the divine man-child, the heir of eternity, self-begotten and self-born, king of the earth, prince of the Duat, Governor of Alkert, thou who didst come from the water god, thou didst spring from the sky god Nu, who doth cherish thee and order thy members. O thou god of life, thou lord of love, 
all men live when thou shinest. Thou art crowned king of the gods. The goddess Newt embraceth thee, and the goddess Moot enfoldeth thee at all seasons. Those who are in thy following sing unto thee with joy, and they bow down their forwards to the earth when they meet thee, the Lord of heaven, the Lord of the earth, the King of truth, the Lord of eternity, the Prince of everlastingness, thou sovereign of all the gods, thou God of life, thou creator of eternity, thou maker of heaven, wherein thou art firmly stabilised. <clears throat> and that's a quote from the hymn to Ra from the Egyptian Book of the Dead, which kind of gives us a really good idea about how they kind of worship these gods. The sun god is also one of the most popular gods in the Indo-European tradition as well. Um, so we have lots of different traditions, particularly in the Vedic tradition. We've got uh, ancient India, they have the god Surya, who is the all-seeing god, who basically sees all the actions, both good and bad, and Surya is also meant to be responsible for banishing darkness, evil dreams and disease. And in the Indian tradition we also see different sun heroes and sun kings. For for instance you get Vivasant who's the father of Yama. And there are also various dynasties of sun kings. They're actually quite peaceful. Um, you also get uh, characteristics of the sun god in different Indian traditions as well. And we have similarities in Europe. So we often see the idea of the solar deity being drawn in a carriage or a chariot across the sky. So you see that in Greco-Roman and Scandinavian traditions. So in the Roman history, sun worship becomes very important and we get you know, the beginnings of monotheism. So the gods of the sun in, in Rome are gods like Mithras and there's also the Feast of Sol Invictus, which means unconquered sun, which was the Feast of Mithras, uh, December the 25th, which was later adopted by the Christians as being the birthday of Jesus. Other examples of the sun cult are, you know, you get the famous sun dance of the Plain Indians in North America and in the Aztec tradition, obviously, we, we hear about the, you know, the human sacrifices to the sun god to ensure that it, it rose up the next day. So very much this idea about keeping the society alive, ensuring that they were going to be okay by obviously worshipping that god. Um, in Japan, they also have a sun goddess, which is quite interesting. So they've got a goddess called Amaratasu, who is considered to be the supreme ruler of the world and also a tutelary deity of the imperial clan and still is a representative of the Japanese states. Obviously, the, the Japanese flag is the red disc, the sun disc. And... Um, Obviously, also obviously get later on. Um, there's closer ideas of sun worship, particularly in Christianity, um, with the you know the, obviously the Jesus symbolism is quite closely related to the Mithraic um, mysteries, and you also get passages like this one from John: "I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life." And that's a quote from John. So, yeah, that's a little bit about the mythology. There's an awful lot of different myths about the sun. Um, you know, you could write books and books about it. So, um, but that just gives you a little bit of an idea. My personal favourite is always the Egyptian stuff. I've got a very strong connection with that. Um, so, 
yeah but i mean and definitely have a look through different mythologies see what kind of appeals to you see what interests you and and then go with that and start to kind of really learn about it and, and that's a really good way of kind of building up your knowledge of these kind of planetary influences within that mythology that appeals to you um from a magical perspective how do we work with the sun there's obviously lots of different ways you can work with this amazing power um ranging from you know just breathing in the rays just going out in the day going for a nice walk and just feeling that sun on your skin and doing some deep breathing just feel that energy kind of flowing through you um you can also do things like daily adorations which we've been talking about before so things like the um, orphic hymns to the sun or the higromantia um, type prayers from a planetary perspective obviously sunday would be the magical day of the sun so that'd be the day when you kind of focus on this particular thing um one of the most common ways i've already spoken about this before in some of the recent episodes is you work with the sun using the planetary rays so um the way the planetary hours work are essentially the sun moves through different planetary hours each day so saturn would be first then it would then it would go through the other seven planets and um but you can also work with the sun in different seasons as well so if we would start at the winter solstice to summer solstice that's the time of sort of building up so it's a good kind of you know you can start to grow things with solar energy whereas for the rest of the year it's sort of you know waning and this is probably why we have things like the new year it's like happy new year you're going to this is the beginning of something new so let's start something new and then when you get to the winter solstice then it's you know it's back down again um into that kind of you know but being born growing up and then kind of more the twilight years and then going back again again and there's really nice that's really nicely depicted in mythology with um with myths like the Persephone myth, for instance, Demeter and Persephone and the journey into the underworld is a very good one to kind of meditate on if you're interested in that. Um, from an individual perspective, we can also divide the year up into seven cycles that correspond with the seven planets divided into 52 days. So if your birthday is the 6th of July, for instance, um, then if you add 52 days onto that that'll take you to august 27th and so on and so the last cycle would be before the before your next birthday so just to run through this idea quickly because this is something that's probably quite relevant so your sun cycle would begin on your birth date so if it's july the 6th that would be the sun cycle add 52 days the next cycle would be the moon cycle and this is the moon cycle you know all of these different things they correlate to a specific planet the moon is very much related to kind of changeability um you know motions intuition um etc then obviously from the moon it would then go into you know the other planets as well so you just need to add an extra 52 days on each one and then eventually it ends up in saturn which is a symbolic symbolic of death really so it's the end of that year and then you're going into your sun again so it's like the sun's being born again and that's a really nice way to divide up your year from a magical perspective the first 52 days from your birthday is obviously considered to be very positive as yeah as i said it's ruled by the sun and it's also when we're meant to kind of have the most success as well another nice way to work magically with the power of the sun 
is to acknowledge and honor the solar journey throughout the, throughout the day and this is something that is used quite extensively in in different magical orders and magical training so you'd honor the sun at sunrise the sun at noon and sunset and then finally at midnight and although we typically would kind of you know from a Kabbalistic point of view people would think of everything as being unified as one um, the nice thing about doing this practice and you'll really notice it if you start to do it regularly is that it's kind of almost like an exercise in self-control so it's actually linking yourself with that representative of that divine energy and it's almost like checking yourself every few hours and link yourself into that divine energy and because it's so easy to get snapped up in the you know bullshit of the day that you completely lose all, all sort of spiritual focus so this is a really nice way of honoring that connection with that kind of helios that inner sun but also that outer sun as above so below as within, so without. This practice of doing daily adorations was very popular in the Hermetic Order of the Golden Dawn and it continues to be used in many magical traditions. And the sun, obviously, symbolically, from a Kabbalistic point of view, represents Tiferet. It's the sphere that epitomizes adept shipped as well. So, um, when you reached Tiferet in the Golden Dawn tradition, you would become an Adeptus Minor. And then going beyond that would be the Adeptus Major. Um, and when we do the adorations to the Sun, to Tiferet, to Helios, we are really symbolically bringing that power of Tiferet into our being. So we're uniting the macrocosm with the microcosm. This is an example of one of them. This is from Alistair Crowley, um, Liber Resh, Vel Helios, which is the four adorations he uh, he advised aspirants of his AA order to do. And this is an example. So at dawn, the magician faces east and calls, Hail unto thee, who art Ra in thy rising, even unto thee who art Ra in thy strength. Who travelest over the heavens in thy bark at the uprising of the sun? Tahuti standeth in his splendor at the prow, and Rahur abideth at the helm. Hail unto thee from the abodes of the night. And then at noon it would be Hail unto thee who art Athathor in thy triumphing. Even unto thee who art Ahathor in thy beauty, who travellest over the heavens in thy bark at the mid-course of the sun, Tahuti standeth in his splendour at the prow, and Rahur abideth at the helm. Hail unto thee from the abodes of the morning. And then it goes on. I won't read all of them because you know there's quite a lot of stuff to, to listen to from that point of view, but you then go into the west and then the north so obviously sunset would be the west and midnight would be the north and there are various different um, hand gestures as well that would go along with this but um you know this stuff's out there so if people want to kind of learn more about that then you know by all means look it up um 
this as i said this simple exercise of doing the adorations is a really nice way of tuning you into those life forces and it really helps us to remind us of the spiritual aspects of life that we can very easily forget about in our constant world of entertainment facebook and media bombardment and it can also help one to become really sort of more intuitively aware of the the passing of time as well so one of the ways that works really well with this particular um, technique which i've personally found is is to actually um, imagine yourself in inspire or inspiring places as you recite the words so for instance if you're going to do the morning one you know imagine yourself standing on a on a fantastically open beach looking out out to sea uh, or you could think of yourself on top of the pharos lighthouse in alexandria and you're looking far out to sea and you're seeing that dawn rising and then you're going to recite those words and you're greeting the sun the sacred sun out of the depths of night and that yeah just using your imagination just pitch yourself in that place you'll find that that will really pump up that magical effect of doing those so it becomes not just a an exercise that you recite and you you know that's it, it's done it's very much uh, you're using all your different magical facility faculties to build up this incredible imagery um other ways you can work the sun magically is obviously to create talismans using one of the different methods <clears throat> there's lots of different methods on this and i'm probably going to do an episode on talismanic magic at some point um, but the basics of talismanic magic magic is really uh, is the idea that like attracts like. This is something Cornelius Agrippa talks about when he said the following. And this is describing um, what sort of properties solar talismans would draw, essentially. And what you would use to create one. And I quote, There are many solar things whereof every one doth not contain all the virtues of the sun but some have properties from the sun and others othersome wherefore it is sometimes necessary that there may be mixtures in operations that if a hundred or a thousand virtues of the sun were dispersed through so many plants animals and the like we may gather all these together and bring them into one form in which we shall see all the said virtues being united and contained and that's a quote from Heinrich Cornelius Agrippa and um, book three of his occult books of philosophy so what he's saying really is for the sun you would use the color of the sun on your altar you'd use the candles the altar cloth and the tools and you know a lot of the a lot, there's an awful lot of texts out there which have different resources for metals minerals and plants ruled by the sun um and you know it's worth checking them out i wouldn't personally follow too much the kind of traditional correspondences i think you can to a certain extent if something feels right from your perspective then that's something that's worth looking at obviously the sun would be associated with any kind of flowers that would be you know golden in color um you know so you can have a sunflower for instance would be a classic example chamomile um, from an, uh, a mineral point of view, a, a, a yellow or a golden mineral would be very much this this aspect of sun or crystal quartz. 
Um, so yeah, just check out some of the correspondences. There's an awful lot out there um, if you want to find out more from that perspective. Um, and there's lots of other other different kind of ways of working with the sun. Obviously, um, one of the easiest ways I think, which which is worth trying out at the beginning, is to really sort of work with that energy of the sun. So sit outside in the morning, as I said, feel that energy on your face and breathe in and just imagine that light from that sun just filling your body, filling you up with energy and light. And as you imagine that light filling your body right up to the top of your head, if you do that for sort of 10, 15 minutes every day, you, you'll feel really connected with that energy and it makes you feel amazing. So highly recommended. Um, to, to finish really the sun as I said it's the giver of life to us on earth and it's the light that warms our bones every day so it's worth making the effort to try to you know get out there in the sun and feel that beautiful energy because none of us would be here on this earth if it wasn't for that awesome power and I wanted to finish this episode with an ancient prayer to the sun which is from the Rig Veda I call upon fire, friendship, waters and the restful night to aid us. I call for aid to the sun, bringer of life. Revolving through the darkness of space, awakening gods and mortals alike. Riding in a golden chariot, looking upon every being. Moving to the northern and southern solstices, he journeys coming from afar to chase away all distress and sorrow. On a multicoloured chariot decked with pearls and flags, the many-rayed sun sets off powerfully into the darkness. White horses draw that golden chariot, bringing its light to everyone. All beings exist in the lap of the sun. There are three universes, two belong to the sun, while the other belongs to death and is the home of warriors. He is the kingpin, around all things firmly rest and resolve. Strong wind lighting up all regions, causing fear to creatures of darkness. What worlds have the rays of the wise leader illuminated now? He illuminates the eight points of the earth, the three deserts and the seven oceans. The golden-eyed sun appears now to give treasure to those who worship. Golden-handed, far-seeing, going in his path between earth and heaven. He drives away sickness and illuminates what was once dark. Golden-handed and kind leader, come to us with aid and favour. Drive away creatures of darkness, assembling at sunset. The ancient paths of the sun collect no dust and are clear in the middle of the sky. Come on those fair paths today and bless us to be free from harm. Thanks very much for joining us this week on the Occult London podcast. I hope you've enjoyed it. Please check out our website at occultlondon.co.uk where you can subscribe to the show. Thanks. <laughs>